When uh, Emily said that, um, parents, if you don't know what to do with your children this morning, she'd be, she'd be right out there. I thought, I, everybody's going to get up and leave. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're back, going to look this morning at the Sermon on the Mount uh, and uh, particularly at the Golden Rule. Uh, we'll finish up the Sermon on the Mount in a few weeks. Then we'll look at the life of Jacob from... Uh, the patriarch from the book of uh, Genesis. And a couple of reasons why I wanted to do that over the summer is um, it's kind of episodic, and so that's good. Um, and I, it's, it's also a good place to revisit uh, the, the God's faithfulness. And it's also a good place to go if you think your family is weird. Um, you, you, Jacob's family is quite unusual. So uh, we'll... Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll spend most of the summer doing that, and then we'll uh, go back to a New Testament uh, book. I haven't decided on that yet for the fall. I usually like to alternate Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, the problem with that is uh, there are 39 books in the New Testament and 27 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament, so it's out of balance. Uh, and I'm out of balance, so that's, uh, that, that's kind of the way it works. But we'll do something for the fall uh, out of the New Testament. So uh, before I read uh, this morning's text, uh, the Golden Rule, let me uh, pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we've, we've already confessed uh, and recognized this morning our weakness in love, uh, and we confess more than that. Uh, Lord, we, not only are we, we weak to love, we're often unwilling to love. We're willing to fight, we're willing to argue, uh, we're willing to uh, self-justify, but it's very difficult for us uh, to love. So I pray that you would help us believe you today. We pray too, Lord, that we confess that uh, many of us are tired and uh, embittered and challenged and uh, just uh, uh, we struggle today to uh, embrace uh, your goodness and your love and your mercy, and so I pray that you would, you would help us with that. And Lord, we recognize today that these words from you, this golden rule, uh, are words that just roll off our tongues and bounce around in our heads, and yet um, you, you, um, you spoke these words to people just like us. And so I pray that you would help us today uh, take you uh, at your word. And so bless us now, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Matthew 7, 12, text is in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So just a, a couple of things to remember about this, right? Jesus is there on, uh, standing on that mountain, sitting on that mountain, uh, teaching uh, this great teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. He's done uh, uh, the Beatitudes. He's talked about giving and all of those things. And now he's settling in on what it means for us to be in relationship with one another. And one of the things that I think is uh, so uh, hard about uh, the golden rule is that we all know it. We all know it. Uh, it's floating around out there in the world all around us all the time. Uh, and uh, it's because of that we, uh, 
we don't think very much about it. And so we need to ask the question today uh, about that is, you know, was Jesus serious? Was he just kidding? Was he, was he just saying, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated? Was, was it, were those just, you know, kind of throwaway words? Right? And so I think it's important for us to, to uh, spend a little time on that. And, and the, the fact of the matter is this is very difficult. And for many of us, for if, if not most of us, when we think about these things, what happens, particularly in our cultural moment and our cultural situation, is that uh, we, just don't, we just don't know how to respond. So what many of us do is we think that the way to uh, uh, deal with uh, these sorts of things, difficulties, what it, would it mean to treat others the way we want to be treated is to declare something on our Twitter feed or our social media and, and then go on about our business. One of the things that's interesting, too, about this, and I think this is one of the things that we miss and something that's been so difficult for us over the last number of years is, is that what Jesus says here, when he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, he's being clear that the people that he's talking about are the people that are local to you. Right? The text that we read earlier from Leviticus, don't you love Leviticus? When a stranger sojourns with you in the land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, right? And then it goes on to talk about the just balances and the weights, right? Those are, those are interactions with people in the flesh, people that are local to you. And so, so I want to be clear here today that as we unpack this text, as we talk about this, there, there, there's, that what Jesus is getting at is, is treat the people in closest proximity to you, your neighbors, the people across the street, the people that live on either side of you, the people in the cubby next to you at work, the, 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 the people that you see in worship, treat them the way you want to be treated. Look at them and think about the way that you want to be treated, the way you want to be addressed, the way you want to be uh, cared for, loved, corrected, rebuked, and do the same. Now, the, the thing for us about this is, is that for, for many of us, we water the golden rule down so that what it actually says to us is, you know, um, if you don't want something to happen to you, don't do that to others. But Jesus makes this a positive thing, that what he does here, and as we'll see as we unpack this, is that the, the, the mark of the Christian, the mark of the Christian community is this, this right here. And so I think it, it's, uh, it, it's important for us to, to kind of lay, um, lay our weapons down and think a little bit about what Jesus meant when he said these words. I am terrible at this. I treat people very poorly. Uh, this came home to me recently where, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had all those 
storm warnings and tornado warnings. Do you remember that? Do you remember, do you remember that? And um, so I was going to meet one of our missionaries at the uh, new Starbucks at Gaten Crossing. And as I was leaving, I was like, well, the weather's bad. And, you know, everybody's phone is blowing up. You know, it makes that crazy noise. You're like, is Jesus coming back? What is going on? I mean, all of this, all of this noise, it's scary. Like, what, what is happening? And I'm like, it just looks like a rainstorm. I lived in the deep south. I know what tornadoes are like, and this doesn't look like tornado weather. So I went to the, uh, um, the Starbucks, the new Starbucks at Gaten Crossing to meet my friend there. Now, he had gotten his wires crossed, and he had gone to the one, we have so many, he had gone to the one over here at the mall, and so I'm, I'm there a little bit before him, and he's on his way uh, to meet me, and I could tell when I walked in the Starbucks, something weird was going on. People, people were nervous, and I, you know, I, I don't really understand why they're nervous, so I'm sitting with my back to the window, and the manager comes out, because they've been talking about me, and the manager comes out, and says, sir, we're going to ask you to move away from the window. And I'm like, move away from the window? Yeah, that, it's very dangerous for you to sit at, uh, next to the window because we're about to have a tornado. I'm like, don't tell me where to sit. <laughs> My friend gets there, and uh, I'm like, okay, let's get a cup of coffee and we'll talk. And uh, so we go up to the counter and I'm like, you know, I'll have a, just a regular coffee. Uh, and what do you want? And the the, the uh, manager behind the, the counter said, sir, we're not serving any coffee. Like, I thought this was a coffee shop. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not serving any coffee because of the storm. And so I turned to my friend and I said, so you were at the Starbucks up at the mall, right? And he said, yeah. I'm like, were they serving coffee? He's like, oh, yeah. Now, my friend says, you know, my wife was a barista once, and it's a hard job. I'm like, I don't want to hear that, because he can sense, you know, angry, uh, middle-aged white man here is about to go off on the, on the poor manager behind the, the counter. And um, so I'm like, well, we're here. We'll sit down. We'll talk. Maybe the storm will pass. And then people's phones started going off again. And she comes out from around the counter, and she says, sir, we, we need you and everyone here, there's several people there, to all go into the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not going in the bathroom with all these strange people. I'm not doing that. And I, my friend wisely says to me, you know, uh, I, I think we should just go sit at the church. And so, thankfully, we left. But I was so convicted afterward because it never occurred to me to love that woman behind the counter. It never occurred to me when I looked at the anxiety in her eyes and in her shaking hands that A, she was afraid of me, B, she was afraid of the storm, C, she was afraid of her boss. And I've been afraid of people in front of me, and I've been afraid of storms, and I've been afraid of my boss, and 
I know how I wanted to be treated when that happened, and I wasn't doing that to her. Right? So it's, it's good for us to think a moment about this. Um, and so one of the things, one of the few blessings that I've seen, and you can put my notes up there, Scott, one of the few blessings that I've, I've seen and that I've, I've come to grips with over the last few weeks and months is one of the gifts that uh, I think the pandemic has given uh, me is to think a little bit about what, what are these things for? What's the gospel for? Now, the gospel is the message that God loved us so much that Jesus Christ, the the second person of the Trinity, took on flesh, lived a perfect life, keeping the law of God for me, dying an atoning sacrifice on the cross for me, rising again for me for my justification, and that uh, he has lavished his love and grace upon me. So what's it for? In other words, is it just about me? Is it just about getting me to heaven? Is, it, is, is that what it's for? Or is it for me to reflect, to look, because I am loved by God uh, because I have my Father in heaven, as we'll see, as we've been lavished the mercy and the grace upon God, does that gospel do something in me and through me? What's it for? As we'll read in a few minutes, Jesus situates the golden rule in the middle of this uh, text where he speaks to us about our Father in heaven giving us good things and longing to give us good things, loving to give us good things. And so that means we're his children. So we're adopted. What's that for? What's it for? And then lastly, what are Christians for? You know, I think the, the, the thing for, for many of us, you know, what, what the, the gospel often becomes, the work of Christ often becomes something simply about us, right? That it's something simply for me, that I have this kind of uh, relationship with God as an individual, which is certainly important. And these questions about what the gospel is for and what is adoption for and what are Christians for, all of those things have a, a number of different answers. But one of the things that I think about me anyway is my tendency is to think that those things are turned in on me, that they're about me, my needs, my wants, my comfort. And certainly the gospel meets my need, and certainly the gospel extends comfort to me. But the, the truth of the matter is, and what Jesus is getting at here is, that this is to turn us away from clinging so tightly to our need to be right and our need to be seen and uh, those things so that we are quick to serve, quick to look at the needs and the hearts of others and extend ourselves because Jesus loves us and has extended himself to us, right? So what are things for? You know, we, 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 that's an important question for us 
to ask. And I think, I think it's an important question for us to spend time and energy on thinking about because, you know, for, for many of us, you know, we, we, we want to limit the scope of the, those questions and we want to, you know, and maybe we should even ask the question, you know, what am I for? Um, I think we need a fresh approach to this because we, don't, we need a fresh approach to what it means to follow Jesus and what following Jesus is for because I think for many of us, we don't have any joy. And the reason why we don't have any joy is because we've lost Jesus's vision. You know, he had this vision there as he's sitting on that mountain teaching in front of people just like us, no better, no worse, fearful, anxious, embittered, selfish, scared, hurt, people just like us. So what are these things for? Last Sunday, uh, my, uh, my, my grandson was at our house for Easter, and uh, one of the great things about having a toddler around is, you know, nobody has told them what things are for. And so, so they see things that adults look at and think, well, it's not for that, but oh, yes, it is. These things can be for, you know, the, the things that you never dreamed would be entertaining and joyful or amazing to him. So he typically comes to our house, walks in, looks around, sees if there's anything interesting added since the last time he was there. And if he doesn't see anything, he takes me by the thumb and he takes me up to the attic because we play Chinese checkers in the attic. Not really, but um, he likes to sort the marbles by color and by number on, he loves the sort. We didn't really make it up to the attic because on the way up to the attic, he sees stored in one of the bedrooms a 40-quart um, cooler. And he's like, bring that downstairs. I want to play with the cooler. It's a cooler. It's an old blue cooler. But see, the, a 40-quart cooler with a lid that you can open and close, you can sort a lot of stuff in a cooler. So that cooler's in our den now. Everybody should have a cooler in their den to sort things with. What joy there is in using a cooler as a sorting bin. It's what it's for. So it would be good for us to begin to kind of ask ourselves those questions, right? And so for many of us, you know, we've spent a lot of the last couple of years in a very defensive, angry posture where what we want to do is we're against the culture, right? And the culture is bad. And there's no, no doubt about it, the world has a lot of sin in it. The church has a lot of sin in it too. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, I think one of the things that the, the golden rule and indeed the whole Sermon on the Mount says to us is something, something unique and something powerful. You know, if you, if you want to be subversive, if you want to be countercultural, if you want to you know, be different and challenge. I came across this this week, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Christianity has been revolutionary for different reasons at different points in history. I think the most subversive tenet of Christianity today is selflessness. Did you know that was a tenet of Christianity? Selflessness? To die to self in a world that orients us entirely around the centrality of the self 
It's nothing short of cultural rebellion. You rebels, you. Did you know that Jesus could set you free in ways that you never dreamed possible to be a cultural rebel? By suddenly taking his sacrifice and his words about treating others the way you want to be treated, that that might actually be the way to change the culture? Wow, that is, that is pretty, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty profound, isn't it? It's worth our thinking about. I think Jesus just wasn't throwing these words away. I mean, Jesus has a vision for his people. He has a vision for the gospel, and he understands how weak we are, how challenged we are. I mean, after all, you know, those, those guys who are gathered around there, his disciples who are there with him, you know, they, it, it was very difficult for them to, to understand and to appreciate the fact that what Jesus was getting at was, this has been done for you. The Father has lavished this grace upon you, so it sets you free now to be a different sort of person, a different sort of community, a different sort altogether, right? That's why it's important for us, next slide, Scott, to see that this, this passage about the, the golden rule is situated here in, in an interesting part of, the, of, of this chapter. You know, Jesus has said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. You see, when we situate the golden rule here in the middle of, of an understanding of the, the passion that God has, the longing that our Father has in heaven for us to turn to Him and to ask Him and to, to seek the good things that He has for us, he, right in the middle of that are these words about treating others the way we want to be treated. And so what God understands about that, what Jesus understands about that is, and what he's beginning to answer the question is, this is what the gospel is for. This is what adoption, having a father in heaven, is for. This, this is what, this is what, this, this is for, do you, do you, do you begin to see here, see here a little bit about what it is that he's getting at? So that he knows our, by our weakness, by the fact that we are uh, self-oriented people, that he reminds us that our Father loves us, that Jesus died for us, and that he longs to give us good things, and that we seek him in prayer, we pray to him. And the good thing that he wants to give us, the, the best thing that he wants to give us is himself, and so that we, by his Spirit, look like him. And therefore, we are this, these words here about the, the Sermon on the Mount, or the, the golden rule, aren't just kind of floating around in here. It's intimately tied into and a part of the good gift that our Father gives to us. It is His joy to give us these things. And so it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a, a powerful thing for us to see. And He goes on to say, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. 
What Jesus is recognizing there is, is that the gospel is such good news and so precious that as it comes to us, as it shapes us, it's going to turn us into people that are different from the crowd. And so what, what, what he is expecting here as he speaks these words to that crowd is not that we'll be world changers, not that we'll be focused on the global events as important as they are, but that we're going to love the people that are in front of us, the people in proximity to us, that, that the, the people we interact with, the people we see, our neighbors. And, and, and for the vast majority of us, those are the people that we treat the way we want to be treated. So what does that mean practically? Well, a, a couple of things, right? If, if you enjoy being loved, and I think sane people like to be loved, right? Then love others. If you like to receive, then be generous. Recognizing that how great it is to receive the generosity of others, then perhaps this person has that in common with me. They like to, be, to receive uh, generosity. I'll be generous to them. If you like being appreciated, then appreciate others. If you've ever been in my office, you know it's a wreck. There are books slung everywhere and papers and just, you know, it's just a mess. Anyway, so the, so the, uh, one of the things I was doing this week is I was trying to clean it up a little bit. And so my, I have a middle drawer in my desk. Uh, and as I was cleaning that out, that middle drawer is full of notes of appreciation. I kept every one of them. And they are, they are such a good thing to me when uh, I am discouraged and ready to quit when I am discouraged and ready to walk out when I'm angry and bitter to reach in that drawer and say, you know, somebody looked at something God did through me once and they appreciated it. Boy, I like that. You know, other people like to be appreciated too, don't they? Huh. Isn't that funny how, how this uh, begins to work, right? So, to begin to ask ourselves the question, I really like this. I think perhaps my friend here might like it as well. And you see, this is one of the things that's so great about Jesus' words here and the, the gospel application of this is that, that, that most of the time when I think about the golden rule, I think about it this way. I am, after all, an American and a capitalist. I think about it in a very utilitarian way, and that's this. If I treat you the way you want to be treated, then guess what? You're going to treat me back. I hear this occasionally from people. It was, a, it was a prominent theme back in the early days of the church where people would say, you know, I, inv I, I keep inviting people over to my house for dinner, and it's a problem. I'm like, what do you mean it's a problem? They're turning you down. He's like, no, they come, but they never ask me to their house. Isn't it funny how that works? Well, here's the kicker on this, right? Jesus says, never says, do unto others what you would like them to do to us in order that they'll do it to us. Right? I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is, as he says, we are, we are children of our Father. We have this lavish relationship. We have this mercy and this grace and this big, big love that God has for us. And so uh, that frees us 
frees us then to fulfill the law and the prophets without looking for payback, right? It's, it's such a it's it's such a, a great thing for us to kind of kind of center ourselves and rest our our hearts in in that today that that is exactly the the work that he has for us. You know, um, we we just we we really find this to be difficult, don't we? Um, and I. I want to tell you that you would be taking the wrong message from here today if what you take from this is, I need to be better at treating people better. That you think that the defect that you and I have is we simply need to be better about treating other people better. That's not your defect. And that's not the logic of this text. It's not my defect. The logic of the text is I don't really believe that Jesus is for me that he loves me, that I have a father in heaven who delights and longs to give me good gifts. And so because of those things, that's where my defect is. I don't believe that the gospel really sets me free and is lavish grace and mercy and riches to me. And so, of course, I'm going to be a miser with my love to others. And of course, I'm not going to be thinking about treating somebody else well because I'm so poor and alone and nobody loves me. That's why it's a great thing for us today as we think about what it means for the golden uh, rule to be a marker of our community, to be a marker of the church. It's a great thing for us to come to the Lord's table today and to recognize and to appreciate that even failed, uh, failed obedience, uh, as we recognize that we haven't taken God at his word, does not disqualify us from his love. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let's confess our sins together by using the confession that's printed there in the bulletin, also behind me. Pray with me. Forgive them all, O Lord, our sins of omission and our sins of commission, the sins of our youth and the sins of our riper years, the sins of our souls and the sins of our bodies, our secret and our more open sins, our sins of ignorance and surprise, and our more deliberate and presumptuous sins 
the sins we have done to please ourselves and the sins we have done to please others, the sins we know and remember, the sins we have forgotten, the sins we have striven to hide from others, and the sins by which we have made others offend you. Forgive them, O Lord, forgive them all for his sake, who died for our sins and rose for our justification and now stands at your right hand to make intercession for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 